All right, folks, this show is sponsored by Anchor. A while back, we switched over to Anchor as our hosting platform for Panel to Panel. And to be honest, it's actually been one of the best experiences we've had when it comes to hosting our podcast. A lot of people think making a podcast is super difficult, but Anchor actually allows you to record and edit your podcast all on your phone if that's what you want to do. Anchor even helps you get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places like that. That way you can get your podcast to a wide audience of different people. And the best part about it, it's totally free. So go ahead, check out Anchor.fm, or download the Anchor app on your phone or through the App Store or the Google Play Store and check it out today. Now let's turn the page and get to this week's episode of Panel to Panel. What's going on, good people of the internet? It is time for OnComicsGrounds.com flagship podcast, panel to panel, where a bunch of folks shoot the breeze and talk about comic books and such. We are here live, once again, talking about everything that we care about when it comes from comic books, video games, anything we want to talk about when it comes to everything going on in news and geek-related content here on panel to panel uh, don't forget to follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram. No, no, no just Twitter. Give me the podcast on Twitter. Uh, PTP underscore podcast. Don't forget to follow the website on Twitter and Instagram at on Comics Ground. And uh, check out the website on comicsground.com with some hyphens between those words for us. And check out all of our previews, reviews, and uh, solicitations that come out every week for you to enjoy uh, as our amazing writing staff puts their, their heart and soul into content every day for you folks. All right. Now that I got all that out of the way for you, my name is James Portis. To my left, we have the man who has devoted his entire life to discovering the secrets of Watchmen. Travis, how you doing tonight? Life? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well, man. Bro, you, you watched the show four times in the movie, Five the Cider movie, twice in one day. Like, that's dedication. <laughs> Well, I, it's it's the best way to show all my friends, like, hey, this is really cool. But I have to, like, find a way to just shut up when we're watching it. Because, like, on, like, the fourth and the third and the fifth time, I'm spotting this. I'm like, whoa, check this out. And I'm explaining it to him, not realizing I'm dealing with a first-timer and I might be ruining it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. And then we have... The woman who's very excited that she got herself the 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 uh the previews exclusive Batwoman Funko Pop early. Mary, how you doing today? I'm I'm doing okay. That's what's up. You enjoying that Funko Pop? Yes, it is. It's very cute. <laughs> All right, we are gonna go ahead and get into it right now. We're gonna start off with some light. We're gonna break out of our comfort zone. Normally, we focus on comic news, but we had something very interesting that that we care about a little bit that's been evolving over the past like year or so. Ever since the, the video game launched uh, previously, I am of course talking about the infamous known game fallout 76 brought to you by bethesda 
And this game has been riding a very rocky road ever since E3 of, I believe it was either last year or the, actually yeah, it was last year where um, Todd Howard explained everything about this game, told us to be hyped about this game, like com- coming uh, the, 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 that fall. And then the game comes out. It's always online. It's, like you, ha- you constantly have to be online to enjoy the game with other, with, like it's always with other players in multiple different servers. There's no NPCs, just robots, and it takes the 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 regular Fallout formula and tries to put it in a very MMO style feel, and it didn't work because the game was poorly optimized. The game didn't have any life to it, and it was, it was such a struggle. And the, and then the, the entire game and the franchise continue to have constant um news cycles where it was having problems whether it was problems with the game whether it was bugs whether it was a controversy with the deluxe edition of the game whether there was the entire issue of one of the items in the in the deluxe edition being faulty and not being what was advertised to the point that you had to go to a bethesda website complain and then put your name in a ticket to get the actual item that, they, that you had uh, requested originally late like six months down the line and it just this giant snowball that has been occurring over and over and over again led up to this past week where Bethesda, still not having fixed a lot of the, the optimal issues of the game, decided to release a premium subscription service to Fallout 76 called Fallout First. And this mode had a lot of controversy behind it because it basically goes, hey, why don't you sign up for uh, like uh, for this premium service, and you will get a certain amount of of, of uh, in-game currency. You will get private worlds that you and your friends can enjoy, and you can and you can get di- uh, different storage items that we said at launch would be um like in the game for free, but we decided to sell very messed up in our store that you had to pay for with real money and it's all and then on top and then when this thing launches it costs a hundred dollars a year thirteen dollars a month and first the news cycle is pissed about this and then two days later when the fallout first thing comes out it not only is buggy as all hell it's deleting people's items when they put them in the storage and it's it's not even able to be purchased by some people because of how buggy it is. This development cycle of this game keeps going so off the rail, and I don't know what's going to happen. Thoughts? Travis? I mean, or no, 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 Mary, go ahead. Mary, you're a thought there. Go ahead. I may cut you off. I mean, I was going to say that it's basically Elder Scrolls Online, but somehow worse. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just, it it wasn't a good idea because I don't know, just it, it was weird enough transitioning it from kind of, you know, the the setup of fallout one and two to turning it to like a third person shooter or a first person shooter, excuse Mm. me. And I don't know this was just never going to work. Now, why do you say that? And you're someone who is a big fan of fallout four. So what are, what are your thoughts about like this development or just 76 in general? I, I never actually um, got 76 because like you, you could see the writing on the wall even before the game was released that this was just going to be a mess. And 
I think Fallout is one of those games that really doesn't lend itself to online play very well because I'm not interested, you know, because I played World of Warcraft for years. And so I, I'm used to kind of having an MMO mindset. And when I would think in terms of MMOs, Fallout is not one of the game titles that, you know, kind of came to the forefront of my mind. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I, I went ahead and pulled up the, like, the original website, like, ad for Fallout first. It says, private worlds play in a private world exclusively for you and up to seven friends. But apparently, um, up to any anyone can join your private world without proper clearance. Any like even if they're not on your friends list, apparently this is starting to happen where private worlds are being invaded by random people by just clicking on them in the system. Um, the, the scrap box system has unlimited storage for crafting components in your new scrap box container. Which the, so the scrap box specifically this, this like was a request by some different people in the Reddit forums months ago and then it turned up a few months later as a, a purchasable item with with real money with like real life money in the fallout 76 game store and people were furious about that and now it's being offered as a as a subscription service <laughs> <laughs> i don't even and then like they offer you um 1600 atoms which is the premium currency per month um, one of the iconic Fallout Ranger armor outfits uh, for being a part of the service, and then you get random emotes that are exclusive to the service. Look, I like the NCR armor as much as the next Fallout fan, but it is not worth that kind of money. <laughs> like, I just... On top of that, you've already paid 60 if not more, if you bought like the Collector's Edition for the game. Like, why would you go through the hell of doing this? I, I just... Travis, what do you think? <laughs> Honestly, there's like Elder Scrolls Online was already really, really bad, and uh, I, I don't mean to hammer on Mary's point, but she kind of just ripped what I was gonna say from my mind. Like, sorry. The only way you can make an—it's fine, it's fine, because the only way you can make an MMO worse is to take away NPCs. What are you gonna do after that? Well, apparently NPCs were coming in a future update for 2020, but then randomly this past week they decided to announce this Fallout first thing, and everyone's like, wait, what the hell? Yeah, and I I mean, unless you're going in with some kind of knowledge of what's going on, and I mean, if you're going to base that knowledge on from Fallout 3 to New Vegas to 4, you really don't know much. If I'm gonna be honest with you, because the games are similar, but they're not all identical, and I'm I would assume that 76 doesn't play like the ones from the past. So it apparently, plays to, like an MMO version of four. That sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, most most of the structure for 76 seems based on Fallout 4, and uh, vanilla Fallout 4 had some shoddy mechanics to begin with. It was Fallout 4 was like Fallout but Skyrim. You know what I mean? They did the same yeah. thing they did to Skyrim but to Fallout. And so yeah, it's it's ESO but worse. Wow. <laughs> I, I think what's hilarious is that um Bethesda didn't have the common sense to buy the domain name for falloutfirst.com. So someone bought it and made an entire parody account like advertising the Fallout First thing, and like e- even the l- the little dude, like the little uh, vault boy with the little golden ticket, it says the first member fucked, and I was like, damn. 
<laughs> this entire thing is so bad. And I feel so bad for Bethesda, but at the same time, I don't. Because they've had this track record for so long that even games, they have no... They don't fully publish themselves. Like um, Dishonored. Dishonored is well-known for having horrible optimization, but some of the best gameplay in gaming. Like, if it would be, if it would have been optimized better at launch, it probably would have won a game award when it when Dishonored two came out. But it it struggled like to the point that it didn't get the game of the year edition the first game got. So it seems as if Bethesda just keeps getting hit over and over and over again with controversy, and they don't know what to do. The only thing they have down the pipeline is Doom, and Doom it doesn't come out until twenty twenty. It got delayed. So i i feel as if they're just gonna sit here with their hands open going help us we need money but like we don't deserve money well what they're probably <laughs> gonna do is do another um remastered edition for skyrim oh god oh i hope <laughs> not especially with the ps5 and the xbox whatever not due till the christmas of next year that would be the stupidest thing they could possibly do is put like Skyrim on your TI-84 calculator. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, I actually, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big defender of the special edition for Skyrim just because I like Skyrim and now it's prettier and stuff, but <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if for a quick cash grab that Bethesda started trying to do that um, with Fallout 4, especially New Vegas. If, in New Vegas, yeah. I mean, and New Vegas, in my opinion, has some of the best writing in the Fallout franchise because it was Obsidian that did it. You know, that's Obsidian's about to cash big because Outer Worlds dropped this drops this week, and they're making big money off of that thing right now because everyone's like, "Hey, it's Fallout New Vegas, but in space. Go play it." And I think what's most frustrating for me about Fallout 76 is that it's not like a case of Mass Effect Andromeda, which Ooh. Mass Effect Andromeda, <laughs> it was a mess, but it had noble intentions. They really tried to make a sequel to a franchise that didn't need a sequel. But but see, the problem with Andromeda out of the gate, for those who don't know, is the fact that um, Andromeda was made by the B-team of um freaking bioware while the rest of them were working on anthem even though anthem was was running itself into the ground from the get-go so well, yeah well you didn't let me finish my point oh, i'm sorry okay i'm sorry no you're fine but like at least they went in with the best of intentions but fallout 76 it was a pointless cash grab there was no at the there was no point in time where you could look at it and go, okay, well, at least they tried to continue the franchise. No, it was just, it's a pointless cash grab. I mean, you paid $60 for a brand new game, and then they nickel and dimed you for literally everything. And now they're trying to squeeze more money out of an already dead game. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Eesh. So... This entire situation is bad, and and hopefully Bethesda gets their crap together before Doom uh, Doom Eternal drops. Because if Doom Eternal's trash, I am not playing the Bethesda game for a long time. <laughs> I don't care how good Starfield is, I am not crossing that border. All right. So, so, I think Bethesda's yeah. just fucked itself. It's possible. Um, uh, Travis, do you have any more thoughts before we move on to our next topic? 
No, we're good. All right, so we'll go ahead and, and uh, go back to to our normal conversations as, as we usually have. But uh, we're gonna start. We're gonna keep um, uh, like throwing um comic. We're gonna start throwing video games and different things back into the mix because like this is a nerd culture show after all. So we'll we'll, we'll keep it going and whatnot. So uh, the next thing up on our docket is uh, no no go back up uh, is the idea of the bloodshot trailer that just came out this past week. Literally, right like the day after we had panel to panel already recorded for last week, the Bloodshot trailer dropped, and I was pissed. I was like, "Oh, you couldn't wait one more day, guys! You couldn't just back it up one more day for us, and we could have had it on last week." But no, it's okay. It's okay. So, Bloodshot for people who don't know is the Valiant Entertainment uh, like comic book series. It was originally part of the the Valiant Comics line back in the nineteen eighties. Uh, which was founded by Jim Shooter and Bob Layton and a bunch of other people. Um, and then it got absorbed into to Acclaim Entertainment. And then some nice people uh, uh, bought it in 20, 2010 and reformed Valiant under Valiant Entertainment and tried to reboot the brand with a bunch of new characters, a bunch of new feels, and relaunching every book under the line. And this entire push was supposed to be to bring new readers into, into comics supposed to be more realistic if like dead meant dead if a character died which that didn't stay true for long but like the first like 10 or so like five or six years it stayed that way and it kept developing and some of the best comics of the modern age came out through this series books like exo man of war bloodshot uh ninjack uh one of, like one of the premier breakout stars in faith the plus size superhero that that came out of the harbinger books um she's a little uh, older than that actually is she? I believe so. I could have sworn her first appearance was in the Harbinger book, but let me double check that. Oh, it was in the Harbinger books, but it was back in the early 90s. Oh, I see. I thought she was created in the relaunch, but okay, cool. Oh, yeah, her first appearance was in 1992. Okay, cool. So you were right. Uh, wow, I did not know that. But, but still, like recently with the relaunch, she, she got more of a push. And have that more breakout stuff. We had Archer and Armstrong, all these other books that have been doing really well. And then in, I believe it was um, January of last year, um, the majority of shareholding of Valiant was bought out by DMG Entertainment. For those who don't know, that is a company who made such great movies as Looper and Chappaquiddick, whatever the, whatever that is. And, like uh, the CEO Dan Mintz um, put up, put out the message that that he wanted to take a controlling stake over Valiant that way he could uh, create new movies because for a lot of people, a lot of time a lot of people agreed that Valiant was supposed to be the the third of the pillars of the ongoing continuity universe of comic books and with that the, the uh, this nice man Dan Mintz who's not really a nice man for what I hear and he came in and said I want to create the big MCU-type movies for Valiant. And the first one off the list that he decided to create was Bloodshot. And we got the announcement that it was going to be created. It took a few years to get into a development. And lo and behold, we got the announcement that Vin Diesel was going to play Bloodshot. And I sat there like, ah. And we, we, uh, we finally got the trailer for it this past week. And I'm... I, I don't... I just, I want this to succeed, but I do. Uh, uh. 
That's all I got. Because, <laughs> like, Bloodshot's supposed to be a character that is similar to people like Wolverine and Punisher, where he has a healing factor built in by nanites, and he constantly goes on these killing machine-type missions for different people, whether it be people who are controlling him or people that he trusts. He, he, like, he's on this mission to find out his true origin and figure out where he really comes from. And like he has a, a a very visual aesthetic with his silver slash white skin and his red uh, like circle on his chest symbolizing but like his transformation and the nanites inside of him. And he goes through this whole struggle. And now 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 I will say this: the movie gets like half of that right. <laughs> it gets like if you like it takes like the first like two issues of the book and throws it at the screen. But then, like, the, almost the entire movie is shown it, shown it to you in the first trailer, and you're just like, what? And I'm, I'm, I, I, I really wish they wouldn't, would, would, wouldn't have started with Bloodshot for this. Um, Travis, you, you watched this trailer. How do you feel about Bloodshot, this trailer? Um, a little indifferent, I guess, because I don't know much about Bloodshot. You guys actually corrected me earlier on my my initial thoughts on who he was. So, I don't know, man. I hope he can pull it off. Vin Diesel's never really done me wrong outside of the seventh Fast and... Well, I mean, earlier than that, Fast and Furious. But still. <laughs> <laughs> um... It's nice to see him take on a unique property, and it's nice to see something not Marvel or DC that's a comic book hitting the big screen. I mean, that's true. I think my biggest issue is it just feels like Triple X playing discount Triple X, and it has me <laughs> like <laughs> that's what it like, that's what it looks like. Like they're 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 staying true to some things about Bloodshot's origin. But when you call the guy who's played Triple X in to play Discount Triple X, it doesn't work. Like, like you should have got the best look. Like, honestly, if John Bernthal wouldn't have already been cast as Punisher, he would have been the best person to play Bloodshot, in my opinion. Because he looks like he, if you paint him silver and put the dot there, he looks like Bloodshot. He has the attitude to play Bloodshot. You give him that, tra- that, that tragic backstory, he's there. He's constantly unknown. He's young enough where you can keep casting him in multiple projects, multiple movies, but then Marvel got him first, and now you can't do it. <laughs> but it's like, you got to find someone similar to, to do that role, but instead, you call 50-year-old Vin Diesel to be the, 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 the anchor to launch your franchise. <laughs> yeah. That's a little tough. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just... I don't, uh, I, I don't fully understand. Uh, Mary, what are your thoughts on this situation? I think Valiant may have dug itself a nice little hole with this. <laughs> um, because, I mean, Valiant, Bloodshot has a pretty straightforward origin. Like, he was a hitman, then they made a deal with the FBI, and all this kind of stuff. But... His memory got wiped, so he became like this mercenary with no memory that was constantly re-injected with new memories. And it's, yeah. Can I continue? Yes, ma'am. But I, I think 
operationally, this isn't going to go well for a number of reasons. That, um, well, I'm trying to gather my thoughts here while my ferret throws a fit in the background. But Valiant really has no mainstream curve appeal. Um, and I think it's going to be a big problem with the fact that they're going to see this movie and then go home and Google it and get really confused because what they're seeing here doesn't match up. I think the big problem with not having Vin Diesel in the um, silver white paint with a big red circle on his chest is comparable to not having Iron Man in the red and yellow armor, if that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I, 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 uh, that's a good point. I don't know. For me, like, I think the biggest, like, problem with this entire launch not only is that you're using the older actor of Vin Diesel in the role, the, the, you should have started with one of the biggest stars of the Valiant franchise, which is Exo Man of War. It's, it's Conan the Barbarian meets Iron Man in space. Like, you can get anybody from any walk of life in on that, like, and just have a ball. And, and yet you chose not to. And if you didn't want to go in that direction, go with the Harbinger aspect where it's just like the X-Men, but not the X-Men on the run from the government. Like, and they don't really have a Charles Xavier to lead them. Like, that would be a great way to run with that. And yet... Uh, oh, Shadow Man. Also, like, Shadow Man would be good too, but I feel like he would be a wave too. But the thing that gets me is that they're jumping straight into Bloodshot, but Angelo is a Harbinger. So how mm -hmm. the hell is that going to work? Because he was a Harbinger starting out. So he's going to be this. So are they just going to completely remove it? Are they going to say like, okay, look, here he's a Harbinger, but we'll get to that later. You don't need to worry about that right now. <laughs> They could possibly do that, like backdoor it later, like, hey, this is your real origin. It'd hmm. be hard to backtrack, though. That's banking on the idea that Vin Diesel is going to make that movie successful out the gate, you know what I mean? And I'm going to be honest, man, I like me some Vin Diesel movies, but he's just kind of... I think the last awesome, original, like, heartfelt work I've seen from him was, like, The Last Witch Hunter, and that was a few years ago. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like, what was it? Paul's last Fast and Furious was good, but the last one wasn't, wasn't that good. So, like, you could tell his heart was waning from it. Even now, you see a clip of him with um, Cardi B on the set of Fast 9 going, oh, I love doing this. We're so passionate. I'm like, you don't want to do this anymore, man. Like, what are you doing? Right. I, I, mm, it makes me sad. Poor Vin. Well, ho hopefully Valiant isn't totally screwed, but I got to agree with Mary that, like, the hole's kind of dug here, and I'm kind of sad. <laughs> Like, I want it to do well. I do like Valiant, but I think this may not have been the best place to start. Yeah, yeah I can see that for sure. 
And, and what's sad is they had already started to kind of launch what should have been their movie universe with the Ninjak versus the Valiant universe, like fan film slash like condoned fan film thing with Bat and the Sun, where you had comic accurate portrayals and costumes of the characters done by cosplayers and, and real actors like Jason David Frank played Bloodshot in that, which I don't like Jason David Frank because he ruined Power Rangers and I, I will go to war on that statement and he he looked more and acted more like Bloodshot than Vin Diesel looks in this trailer and that's sad that was like messed up like fan film paint did and, I hear you say Jason David Frank ruined Power Rangers yes yes I did oh he moved closer to the mic for that <laughs> yes yes I did <laughs> And, oh, don't worry, Travis. Wait till January. You, you, you'll have some fun on Blurred Grounds in January. <laughs> we already got a plan for you. That's okay. I'm reading Omega Rangers. Maybe Zach can make me forget about this. Exactly. <laughs> but, like, the fact, like, you you watch that little, like, and even that whole thing with the Valiant, like, the, the Ninja versus the Valiant Universe, that was a categorical mess because you had that in development hell with that in the sun while they were trying to get the the um shareholder deal sorted out so that entire thing's going on while this entire fan film's going on it was stuck in development hell for two years like right when they announced it they had um covers made of ninjack and exo man of war and different people and live wire all these characters on the covers of Valiant books, and then the fan film didn't come out for two more years, and everyone's sitting there looking stupid. So this already feels like Valiant's off to a poor start trying to launch multimedia projects. I think this movie will do well in the sense of it's Vin Diesel blowing shit up. And we all <laughs> we all like movies where Vin Diesel blows shit up. Let's be real here. Yes. But to yes. fair enough. But to build a a universe to showcase all of your superheroes. I don't know if I'd use Vin Diesel blowing shit up as the cornerstone. <laughs> That's the best explanation of what this is going to be, and I love you for it. <laughs> I do what I can. <laughs> okay. So let's move away from Vin Diesel blowing shit up over to our next topic. Um. Do, 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 do. Uh, back to my screen. Um, our next topic, which is going to be the fact that we... Oh, it was announced at London, London Comic Con this week, this past week, that we are getting a brand new Spider-Man Noir book starting in 2020 in February. And... <laughs> Guys, listen. 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 I, I know this isn't our Spider-Man podcast, Living on the Edge, but... I'm going to just go ahead and say it. Stop making Spider-Man books. <laughs> Ooh. Like, like, and I don't mean like all Spider-Man books. Like, I'm not saying cancel the whole Spider-Line. I'm saying we need a Peter book. We need a Miles book. We can sometimes have a Miguel book. We, and we can have a Gwen book. But, like, we don't need every Spider character in the multiverse to have a book. <laughs> Like, I know everyone loved Nicolas Cage talking about his hand in the rain in the movie, but, like, did we need to go back to noir? Like, 
I love the original noir books. Like that entire thing was so cool. Noir Punisher is one of my favorite books to read back over again. Oh, going back to Noir Luke Cage is so much fun. But like, why? That that's all I got is why. <laughs> Spider-Man Noir was pretty cool though. I mean, I mean, yeah. To be like, I I I don't know. It's I want to say it's cool because I I have this weird fondness for the whole like dick tracy style of of stuff going on there but on that same hand uh, (laughs) on that on that same hand if there's like an oversaturation of spider-man i mean it's not something i'd be familiar with but it's definitely something i can relate to well like we got the whole we like we we still have uh spider-man superior that's the book like because they wanted that the, the everyone loves Superior Spider-Man, so we have to go through all the effort of putting Otto Octavius back in a Peter Parker body. We have Peter's book. We have Peter's other book. We have Peter's other book being written by J.J. Abrams and Son. That's wrapping up that month. We have Miles's book. We have Venom. We have the 2099 celebration that just happened in, in December. And we have Gwen's book, and then we have an actual Spider Verse title that kicks off in December. Right. And it sounds like that could be its entire like the Spider Verse could be its own publisher. Yes, Just leave Marvel and be the Spider Verse. Yes, <laughs> you forgot about Absolute Carnage. Oh, and we have oh. Absolute Carnage going on currently. I totally <laughs> forgot. I'm sorry <laughs> because I'm avoiding it with all my my heart and soul right now. Because the last thing I need is for a, a, a redneck Cletus Cassidy taking over the world to be on my desk every week. <laughs> Though I will say, his his best arc was in Axis, and I will stick by that. Um, so I just... Mary, help me. <laughs> help me understand why this is happening. I think it's because the character was very popular in Into the Spider-Verse, and Marvel slash Disney... Love nothing more than to be able to capitalize off of a success. Yeah. I think that is the sole reason for the book. It's probably going to have like 19 variants that they're going to sell at elevated prices to boost the numbers. Like, it's really any mini that Marvel does nowadays. It's a cash grab. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot the Spider Man video game has its own comics going on right now. Oh, and they just. And they just launched um, The Amazing Mary Jane or something. Yep, Mary Jane has her own damn book. <laughs> wow. So, like, Travis is kind of right. Can we just stick, like, a Spider-Verse logo on all these books? Can we just make it its own imprint at this point? Right, break it all the way off of Marvel. Like, and plus IDW just announced they're they're launching their own uh, Marvel action, their kids comic book line in association with Marvel and Disney with its own Spider-Man action book where it's just um, Peter, Miles, and Gwen going on fun adventures for, for kids. So it's like, there's a lot of books out here, guys. That man's got more books than Bruce. That's a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. Though, like, oh my god, like, I, I feel like Spider Man and Batman keep having like, comp, like, like, like a competition to see who can have the most books. I just wish DC would just fire most of the Batman writers and stick to one so we can get some quality and not quantity. I mean, that's a novel concept, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, I still think when when DC Rebirth launched and during the first arc of Tom King Madness, and we had Tynan writing his own, like, hey, Batman's going to do his shit over here, and Gotham Knights is going to do its thing over here. It's freaking awesome. It made sense. But then when Tynan left, they were like, hey, Brian Hill, go use Detective to uh, backdoor Batman and the Outsiders, which is just going to be Batman and his sidekicks plus Katana and Black Lightning. And, like, and then now it's just, um, who's writing... Detective, right now, Travis, I forget. Tomasi. 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 Yeah, it's Peter. It, it, right now, Detective is just Peter Day Tomasi spinning his wheels until they take another book away from him, which is so sad because his, his Mister Freeze arc is so good. Yeah, it's honestly amazing, and I'm just sad because, like, I feel like he's gonna do the same thing he did with his Arkham Knight, which was also amazing, but it's just like gonna end it short, but with an ending that someone can pick up off of. Just because I don't know, it fe- it almost feels like. He's lost the faith in being able to carry his own arcs. Hurts. Uh, I mean, when DC keeps shooting him in the foot, like, hey, go write Batman and Robin for New 52. Bang. No, Grant Morrison's going to kill Damien. Hey, go write something else. Bang. Hey, DC Rewer's coming out. You want to write Superman? Bang. No more. Bendis is coming in. Like, I, I feel so bad for Tomasi. <laughs> hmm Mary, your thoughts? <laughs> I don't even know anymore, to be completely frank with you. <laughs> I mean, we kind of like spun away from Spider-Man over to Batman country there, but like, it's it's still a valid point there that like, Tomasi's kind of getting oh, like, no, banged Tom- over the head. No, Tomasi doesn't get the respect he deserves. He deserves so much. And That's I not think- bad, though. No, you're cool. <laughs> I just, I do think both characters have an oversaturation problem. So from like so what, the point the point of, that we're making here is the idea of Spider-Man Noir is cool but oversaturation is oversaturation and oversaturation is bad. And ugh. okay. So let's go on to something happy, shall we? So let's jump for joy folks because Batwoman has been greenlit for a full season. Hallelujah. Yay. <laughs> That was the like the, the the quietest like yay I've ever heard. I expected hype. Right. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm super fucking excited. Um, the last these last couple episodes have pulled some pretty strong numbers. Um, as I fully knew, like fully expected it to. These last uh, two, three ish episodes. Um, uh, these actually, it's two right now, but these last two episodes were significantly better than the pilot because pilots are cheesy and schlocky and everything mm-hmm. I was saying a couple weeks ago. But they see something in the show. I'm hoping it's something beyond the fact that she's gay. But um, I'm I'm very excited. Uh, she's my favorite character. Seeing her on TV has been a blast. And now that they've been given more time to expand, I'm interested to see where they go and interested to see if the writers can support a whole season. I mean, honestly, I'm pretty happy about it because it, I, I hope that this can be a backdoor to Kate getting a book again. Like, I, oh. I hope it, I hope they don't do her dirty like they did Jefferson and actually give her a book and not just a mini. Like, she de- like girl, same. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, it just, 
specifically because if you if like and i even addressed this last week where it's like you need more stories for them to to have rather than just saying hey it's batman's characters with kate like no you can't do that forever it's gonna burn out real quick and it won't be enjoyable you need to give kate enough content for her to actually do her own stuff and especially with her two biggest love interests being kneecapped away from her because of our pre-existing other stuff right that's so funny <laughs> renee's in a movie and um what's her face is in a different show like no, maggie, maggie's maggie's not even on supergirl anymore maggie is gone <laughs> so no, like no, and that's no, funny no. is that they're pushing this huge romance with sophie who was in i think a total of two issues in kate's entire continuity career damn <laughs> It's like we 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 gonna make a whole career out of you, Sophie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much because she's in the issue in the origin where we see Sophie um, not speak up when they get busted at West Point for being gay, and then Sophie returns very briefly at the tail end of the New Fifty Two, where she pops up and she's like, "Hey, Kate, I know I kind of screwed you over the last time, but did you maybe want to get together?" And Kate's like, "No, go fuck yourself." Damn. And then that's it. That is that is all of Sophie. We 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 gonna make you famous, Sophie. Don't you worry. Oof. That's how this feels. Like it, it, like it feels like someone dusted her off the back issue bit. It was like we we gonna make something out of you today. And like it, the the big problem with Kate is that a problem I'm using air quotes here is that she doesn't have the romantic history, if you will, that a lot of other characters have because in most of her, in most of her comic career, it's been Renee Montoya or Maggie Sawyer. And she has constantly floated back and forth between those two characters in almost every, you know, universe that they're in. Because in Bombshells, she did it. In Injustice, she did it. In, you know, um, uh, uh, pre-New 52. Uh, the uh, pre-Flashpoint, that's what I'm thinking of. Pre-Flashpoint. Like, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. So either we need to get her a new love interest... Or we need we we need to like bank on Sophie being there for a long time. <laughs> uh, Travis, what are you are, are you excited that Batwoman's continuing? Yes, that means I'll have to look forward to more than just the that one pilot. That's going to be neat, and they have to actually expand on her character. So I I understand Mary's fear that they may be cashing in on just the idea that she's a lesbian, but like, please be more than that. Yes. Maybe I'm being a little more optimistic than I should be, but please be more than that. I want Ruby Rose to actually shine as an actress and not like the what feels to be the the token gay woman in the room every time I see her in a movie. Right. <laughs> now I know with the rest of the season, um, she has pretty much stepped back from doing stunts entirely, and she being Ruby Rose, because she was injured while filming the pilot and it damn near severed her spine. Damn. Like, Oof. this injury almost left her paralyzed. That's crazy, dude. So she stepped back from doing a lot of the stunts, so I'm interested to see how it's going to work them leaning so heavily into a stunt double, but... I mean, I don't know why she wasn't having the stunt double do the work from the jump. Like, that's a, that's a risk and a half right there. Like James, that... if you got to play a superhero, wouldn't you want to have the power fantasy of doing your own stunts? Okay, fair. I would too. <laughs> um, fair. 
but like I don't know. After seeing Tom Cruise try to like jump out of airplanes and shit, I feel like after one episode or like a couple scenes, I'd be like, I, right, I'm good. Although I do want to say one thing about Batwoman for Travis's benefit. Um, the episode with Hush is actually very, very mm. clever. Okay. Is it like good? It's clever because, you know, Hush is obsessed with Batman. And, you know, a little spoiler alert for the episode, um, he knows Bruce is Batman. And Bruce, oh. it, it is a 52 setup where Bruce has left Gotham, much in the same way that he did after Infinite Crisis. And Hush is all kind of like, where's Batman? You're not Batman. And she's like, yeah, that's the point. So they kind of use it to set it apart a little bit. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because if I remember correctly, it was his proximity that was how it was so brilliantly done. They grew up together. As long as it's not the freaking Hush movie we just had, I'll take anything at this point. No, they basically use Hush to further establish that Kate is not Batman. Hopefully, this will not be a Batman show. But in that in that instance, uh, within the confines of that episode, I thought it was really clever. Are Are you sure Hush isn't the Riddler? Mm-hmm. Do you want to get hit, James? <laughs> Bro, this movie had me so triggered. I swear. <laughs> have you seen it, Mary? <laughs> I have. Oh my god, it was so bad, Travis. Don't watch it. It'll It'll hurt you so much as a Hush fan. Don't do it. Yeah, I have I have uh, the non-colored in Jim Lee Jeff Loeb hardcover Hush, so it probably would bl- it would break my heart into pieces most likely. It, like, <laughs> it was actually going pretty consistent, and then it just goes psych. Tommy's actually dead. Joker actually well, like not Joker, but like Hush actually killed him after we thought Joker killed him, and Hush is actually the Riddler gone fucking psycho. I was like, what? 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 <laughs> yeah, it's not Thomas Elliot. Literally, like Riddler's like, I wanted to prove to you that I'm the best Batman, so I carved a question mark into my forehead and wrapped my face in gauze. I'm like, that's eh, infuriating. I'm gonna have a nosebleed. <laughs> Are you all right, Travis? No. <laughs> like, see, now you know how I felt about Judas contract. <laughs> Oh, now you know Man. why I get so angry about these new Fifty Two movies. <laughs> see the and see that the new Fifty Two movies are all right. I don't mind them. I I like the the full suit Superman and all that. But Riddler Hush, that's a line that must be drawn. <laughs> and I mean, like they were doing pretty good. Like like now, granted, they they only had a short cameo from Damien because like the the voice actor who's playing Damien's getting too old. Because, like, his, vo- his voice starts to start and start to change. Like, you just see him on a TV screen for a hot second, and they leave the rest of the stuff to Nightwing because they don't want to introduce Tim. And it was like, okay, that that's fair. I- I'm okay with this. And, like, Scarecrow even mm-hmm. makes a cameo, which is kind of cool. And they and they actually put the work in to making sure that, um like, uh, I, like that, that Joker's face looks like Jim Lee's artwork a little bit. But otherwise, like... The the movie like throws the whole baby out with the bathwater when they go no everything up to this point perfectly canon but no Tommy's dead Riddler's hot <laughs> okay 
Well, that kind of, I don't know why it made me think about this, but it, isn't Batwoman Bruce's cousin? Yes. Yes. So they, they could very well have it to where Thomas, uh, Kate, and Bruce all like knew each other in their youth, because Thomas they was do. a childhood friend, so that's perfect. They they frame it a bit like that in the episode. Okay. That um they are he and Kate are kind of aware of who each other are. I didn't I am behind on all my CW crap. I'm behind on Black Lightning and I'm pissed at myself for it. So I need to catch up on everything. So definitely check out Batwoman. Props that it's getting a second a, a, a second like like a full season. Um what's not getting Another full season, which I'm kind of sad about because I was looking forward to finally sitting down and watching this dang show, is Cloak and Dagger. It was announced this past week that mm. Cloak... Oh, that groan, Mary. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> it was announced this past week that Cloak and Dagger on, on ABC's Freeform has officially been canceled and will not be getting a third season. The only last like remnant of them will be in their Runaways cameo later this year. Just, now, Mary, uh, <laughs> so mad. Why are you mad? I tried with a lot of the Marvel shows. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was just... I tried. I For the life of me, I could not get into it. I tried with that first season like three times. Couldn't do it. It's it so bad. Admittedly, I just never really got into the Netflix shows. It's it, it was nothing intentional. It's just I never really liked any of the Defenders. Like, I've read bits and pieces. like Daredevil? Well, I just, like, I'm not super hip on Daredevil as a character. It's just, like, those specific characters are never really characters that I have been overly fond of. I don't dislike them, but I don't necessarily like them, you know? Okay. But I've always really, I always really liked Cloak and Dagger. And I was really excited to kind of see what they were going to do with it. And obviously they do change up a lot of stuff, but there is just something so interesting about that show because it's very deep into the comic lore while at the same time somehow getting even deeper into um, everything surrounding voodoo and especially New Orleans' uh, relationship with voodoo. I mean, Papa Legba is referenced several times. Like it, it goes really deep into that connection and they do mayhem so well. Like, I've always loved Mayhem, and they do her so well, and I love it. So you know, I might sit down and watch this now that it's over. It, it's a little difficult to get into it first because there is a lot of character building, like so much character building that there is almost not enough action to balance it out in some episodes. But you get really attached to Ty and Tandy, and well, well my biggest my biggest fear was that the idea was they were going to make it too ABC. Freeform teen drama for its new, own good. New, new, new. Oh, really? No bitches dying. Um, <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> people get kidnapped. Like it actually deals a lot with various influences, and not influences, but um, external influences is what I'm trying to say. Um, Tyrone has to go through a lot as a young black man in New Orleans. There are altercations with the police. Um, uh, Tandy has to deal with the fact that um, 
she gets caught, I don't want to give too much away, but um, young girls are being trafficked into like sex slavery and prostitution. And, you know, she gets oh. involved with trying to break that up. Like it's a show that actually competently focuses on a lot of really important issues. And that's what I liked because it it's able to balance that and the superhero aspect really well. Uh, much in the same way that Runaways can balance certain systemic issues with the superhero stuff. So, and the uh, end of season, okay. the end of season two of, of Cloak and Dagger actually ties very well into a Runaways cameo. So, I'm not pissed that they're just going to be popping up out of nowhere. Like it ties in very well. Though it does kind of suck that like the end of their show is going to be in Runaways. Unfortunately, I kind of expected it because when Runaway Season 3 was announced, we were all kind of sitting around waiting and waiting and waiting. And I think it was just confirmation of what we all knew was coming. Dang. I'm seeing like internet rumors and Reddit rumors and whatnot that um, any non-Feige you know, air quote, Disney plus stuff is getting canceled and will air quote be rebooted in the MCU. Uh, see purely unsubstantiated whoa. rumor, but I can see him doing that to get control of everything. But see like, and there's even rumors floating around that like maybe um, Kristen Ritter and Charlie Cox are going to come in and play Daredevil and Jessica Jones again for the MCU. But like my biggest point is now. Granted, I'm not the biggest fan of the Inhumans. I hate what they they did to my girl Sorinda Swan. But like, why? Like, like this, despite your hatred for Jeff Loeb, now that he's gone, why wouldn't you try to use the assets you have and try to put them on bigger pedestals? Especially if they have cult followings. To put this in a very childish fashion. I don't think Kevin Feige wants to play with anybody else's action figures, you know? Damn. <laughs> I, I think he wants, you know, to be able to get it shiny, brand new, out of the box kind of thing. I don't think he wants to play with anyone else's toys. I think he wants to play with his own. No wonder he didn't cast Wesley as Blade. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. It was there. <laughs> Now, granted, Mahershala Ali playing Blade is like the greatest thing that God could ever give us. But like, <laughs> facts. <laughs> I I even went back and listened to that old episode we did, like where I just start gasping for air. <laughs> like that was the greatest thing. But not like I'm I'm kind of sad because I remember reading Cloak and Dagger back in the day and and saw like the ability of interracial like partnership work there and be kind of cool and I'm sad they 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 aren't given more respect going on in in the Marvel universe to the point that when Dark Reign was going on in the early Marvel 2000s that they were just lumped in as a part of the Dark X Men because they didn't know what the hell they, they were doing with their lives and that kind of yeah. sucked so I, I I want them to get more respect and this kind of sucks. I think that Cloak and Dagger have the same problem that Runaways do. And, you know, obviously I know Cloak and Dagger is significantly older than Runaways, but they are not nearly as prominent as they used to be. Kind of a thing. 
And I don't think that serves them well, because even in the comics, they don't interact. I mean, I can't remember the last time I remember seeing a significant anything with Cloak and Dagger in it. Civil War. Yeah, I think Civil War was honestly the last thing where they played any kind of a huge part. But, and even then, Tyrone was just bussing people around. <laughs> and I think the big thing is that, you know, and all of this is speculation on my part, allegedly, whatever. I don't think Feige's interested in small properties. I think Guardians of the Galaxy was just a random chance. But if you look at the rest of the MCU lineup, there aren't exactly a lot of random chances there. I mean, Shang-Chi and the Eternals. Mm. I, I have cynical opinions about, you know, certain film choices going forward, and that that has a lot of sour feelings for me, so. All right, all right. Travis, are you sad about Cloak and Dagger ending? Uh, yeah, because I was kind of hoping to get into Cloak and Dagger, especially with that Runaways trailer. Um, <laughs> I remember your reaction. You were like, what? Yeah, I was like, whoa, this is awesome. I'm going to get into this now. It's more crossover stuff. And, like, as soon as it crosses over, it died. Like an interdimensional squid. Oh, God. The worst part is, is I'm pretty sure the crossover episode was written and filmed um, way before now. Damn. That hurts. So that even if they did set something up, for future quote-unquote future cloak and dagger seasons it doesn't mean anything now damn i mean and we all know that this is runaways is the only non-feige property left standing and i think season three of runaways is going to be the last one is shield over yes because i don't know if agents of shield is over I mean, it's been canceled, but I don't know if it's, like, over, over. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, so... Hopefully not everything goes kaput under Feige. Maybe he can, like, toughen up and deal with some of the action figures coming to play. I think if he has the, the gall to say that he can make a new Daredevil after the cult following that Netflix Daredevil has, he's stupid. Like, and also... Daredevil is probably one of the easiest ways to write them out of the, the black hole that is the, the far from home ending. So, like, 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 have Matt Murdock defend Peter would be the greatest way to like tie Charlie Cox coming back into coming into the MCU. But I really hope that he doesn't reboot everything. Is like my only hope. The unfortunate thing is, I can see him leaning in either direction. Uh... And I think that's what's, frankly, got me so grumpy about it. I mean, I'm usually a killjoy about most things when it comes to comic books, but I'm especially grumpy about all of this because I don't know which way it's going to go. And for my personal viewing pleasure, uh, this isn't a critique of the MCU overall or anything before someone jumps on me. Feige's body of work is not one that inspires confidence in me as a person. So... I think that's why I'm extra salty about everything moving forward. Like everything they're doing with Eternals has got me all grumpy for reasons I'm sure you can obviously pick out. But possibly. Yeah. Okay. Well, th those are some of our thoughts on the insanity that is <clears throat> cloak and dagger ending.
Um, boo. Couple more. Boo, Wendy Tesserberger, boo? Yes. Was that what you were going to say? Yes. <laughs> I need to get that as like a sound clip to just play for us. <laughs> boo, boo, faggy, boo. <laughs> Okay, um, so one of the one of the other announcements that was brought about during London Comic Con was that we are getting two brand new X Men books, or X Men, quote unquote, for one of them, is that we are getting a Fantastic Four plus X Men book where um, Franklin Richards is going to decide where he truly belongs because we've all known for years that Franklin Richards is a mutant, but no one seems to know what to do with that that whole little tidbit. And now, apparently, we're going to decide that. Um, uh, the like the cover of the book has uh, Charles Xavier Storm back in her retro in her uncanny costume for some reason, even though she has a brand new costume that was put on her in X Men Red and was brought forth with House of X, and everyone's been digging it. And now we're just gonna throw her back in the old one for some reason, in the midst of her having a controversy about her being whitewashed. <sighs> okay, we'll move on now. Oh, that, that, pan- <laughs> that panel is physically painful. Oh, I just... Can we talk about that for a second before I go on about this book? Um, wh- wh- Mary, I, th- I wanted to get your opinion on that anyway. Wh- wh- like the Okay, so for those who don't know, in Marauders this past week, like the, number one um, for the, 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 the Dawn of X line where Kitty Pride runs her whole book of random um, gays and blacks and Emma Frost, um, like <laughs> I'm sorry, just the way <laughs> it just end up a frost. I'm sorry. I I I, I like that. That like, really was a funny meme on uh, Twitter that said like the picture of the other book we're gonna talk about of oh, Jean and Emma. Like like was like the new uh, by Pride flag. I was loving that, but I I don't know how Emma rolls. That's why I said but like gays, blacks, and Emma Frost because we all know the new Pyro is gay and he already hooked up with Iceman once. So the book literally is just Kitty Pride and her band of gays and blacks. <laughs> Wait, Py- did you just say Pyro and Iceman hooked up? Yeah, because the original Pyro died and a new one took over and him and Iceman hooked up during X-Men Gold? Question mark? Thermodynamics says so. that's potentially explosive depending on what's going on. <laughs> I, almost, I, lo- <laughs> I almost made a terrible joke, but I stopped myself. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no! You can't do that. Now I want to know. Oh my god! I was gonna say I'm sure it was explosive for a different reason. Hey! hey. <laughs> but no, like, like I, 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 I'm really hyped for Marauders because it was such a great read. But it literally is just like, like the, the, the ship of minorities and Kenny Pride, and I love it. But like, I just. I, uh, but no, the, the big issue in that book this past week that was very controversial that the colorist of the book decided to really lighten Storm's skin. You know, Storm, the African goddess, Storm. They really tried to, to lighten her skin. Now, many people have, have decided to defend this colorist and say that um, Storm's skin was just lighter because of the lighting as they as she was on the ship. That's a cop out, y'all. <laughs> oh, my headphones fell out. Um, Mary, what what are your thoughts at, at, on on this like lightning, as it were? 
see, I, I've seen that excuse a lot of, well, her skin's just lighter because she's on a boat and, you know, the lighting on a boat is different. But if you look at, you know, various pages of Kitty and Storm in the same lighting, because um, I, I have the book open right now. I'm looking at the book right now. And Kitty's skin, um, not necessarily skin tone, but like the shading around the face because... Um, you know, the way the light hits, you've got that shadow on your face. Yeah. Her shadowed segment is darker than Storm. Wow. That, because, uh, it, it, yeah, like I said, I've got the book in front of me right now. Um, the last page of the book, all of the characters are standing on the deck, and they're all being hit with a light from the front, and Storm, she's not that dark, like... Like, she looked hella light-skinned for no reason. Yeah, if you take her and kind of fold the page a bit and put her next to Pyro, like, there is not a lot of a difference there. Damn. I mean, especially... Yeah, I just Googled it, and it's, uh... Especially, wow. especially if you look at the um, Storm on the cover. She's significantly darker on the cover. And even then, she's still not that dark. And it's, and uh, like. Yeah, Bishop on the cover, too. They're both really light. Like, Bishop kind of gets the, like, benefit of the doubt because the one scene he's in, he's in, like, he it's, a, it's at night and he's wearing a trench coat and a hat. But, like, Storm's just randomly lighter in the entire book for no reason. And she's supposed to be the one from Africa who was, like, worshipped as an African goddess for a long period of time and was married to the king of a secret African nation. Guys! What are you doing? The... It, it, I didn't read the issue, so if the picture I posted is who I think it is, holy crap, y'all. That That is indeed the panel in question, yes. yes. Oh, gosh, she's pink! <laughs> <laughs> Well, a big, a big uh, comment I kept seeing on Twitter is, you know, some people were pointing it out, and a reply that I was seeing a lot was people, you know, when they're flipping through the book, they thought it was Crystal from Inhumans. No. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, she's got the big black line, the big black line in her hair. Like, I, I saw more than one person say, hey, I saw that, and I, like, my brain just kind of immediately went to Crystal. Bro. That's sad. <laughs> That Man. wow, that that's just okay. This so, is not a lighting excuse. <laughs> yeah, no. Like I, I, I was already laughing at the, the 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 big book of blacks and gays, but now now I'm just annoyed. So like, there's the one shot in the first page of Kurt of Nightcrawler and Storm where like she's kind of dark, and then they just throw the whole like bag out and say no, she she like she just tan like she. She 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 light skinned like light. Well, I just I just dropped in the chat for you guys to see, but I took the cover of X Men Red number seven, where she is getting hit with a front light, um, like she is in um the panel from Marauders, and even then, like, she's just colored lighter Man. in that panel. The one and, in question, she's just straight up like terrible. Mm. It it bothers me that like some people know how to draw storm and then some people just don't know what they're doing. Like and it, and it seems like a lot of the times it's black artists that know what they're doing with her. Like there's that one really good drawing of 
like like of Storm and Black Panther on the on the Wakandan throne that looks so good. Hell, there's the shot. Um, um, I forget who uh who the artist is because he did a lot of art for um Teen Titans for for a while during the, the pre New Fifty Two, but it was during the Civil War Fantastic Four book where they enter and. Um, like you can easily tell that Storm is the right color, the right ethnicity. Hell, the Michael Turner cover of that first issue, where it's like Thing, Ben, Black Panther, and Storm, and, and um Johnny, you can tell she's the right ethnicity and color. This, like, the fact that people can say that she's Crystal is just depressing. That saddens my heart. So we will go ahead and move on, but um. <clears throat> What we were going to talk about was that we are getting a new book of Franklin Richards trying to decide if he's going to be an X-Man or a member of the Fantastic Four. Um, how we feel about this, guys? I mean, they were going to have to answer the Franklin Richards question eventually. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Like, like you said earlier, they haven't actually talked about the Franklin is a mutant thing in such a long time that this kind of feels like it's coming out of nowhere. Yeah. Because th there's one reference to it in House of X, wasn't it? Or was it Powers? I don't remember. It was House of X number one. Yeah, it was House of X. But, you know, there was just, there was that one little reference to it. And it's just, I think... I, I honestly don't know what to think. Like, I mean, what makes me happy is that Chip Zdarsky is getting to write it, and Chip Zdarsky is really well known for writing really good Fantastic Four books to the point that when Dan Slott was announced to be doing Fantastic Four instead of Chip Zdarsky, I was kind of livid, but, but also like, yay, the four is coming back. But like, why didn't you give it to Chip? Because it's very obvious Chip wanted to write it, and he just had um, um, Invaders canceled, so he's totally free to do whatever you need him to do like i i, I don't know I'm, I'm 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 hopeful but i'm i'm cautiously optimistic because i don't want chips Zdarsky to get hurt again um, i i feel like what's probably going to end up happening is that the end of that is going to be franklin choosing to unite everybody and kind of pull the mutants out of their exile a little bit so. Some people are thinking that we're going to get AVX Part 2 out of this. So oh, dear sweet Jesus, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> you don't sound too excited there. Travis, have you read AVX? <laughs> no, no, but I do like to poke fun. <laughs> um, let, let's just say AVX was so traumatic that within, this, within two issues, you had... Um, Black Black Panther so pissed that Namor invaded Wakanda, that like just to just to get Hope Summers, that he annulled Storm like Storm and his marriage right in front of her because he's the high priest of Wakanda. It didn't give didn't give a crap. And the next issue, Colossus and Magic beat the living crap out of um Spider Man because they have the Phoenix Force. Uh oh. <laughs> One event annulled a marriage and beat the crap out of Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, and killed Charles Xavier. Don't forget that. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, if we were to go for a repeat of that... <laughs> I mean, they've done Civil War 2, Secret Wars 2, 
I don't know. Wolverine scratches his ass too. Might might as well do AVX too. <laughs> Wolverine scratches his ass too. I mean, we are getting a brand new Wolverine book. You know, you know that it would have eight variant covers for the first issue. It'd be the number one selling issue. People would read a book about Wolverine scratching his ass. I'm still sad that Old Man Logan still isn't here, and Dead Man Logan is supposed to be the swan song, and I'm just like, why? <laughs> Why can't I have more old man Logan? But <laughs> um, Travis, are you are you excited for a new Franklin Richards book? <laughs> um, honestly, I every time I hear about Franklin Richards in the comics, it's always some craziness going on. So I I'm excited, and yet I'm not because uh, I fear what it means for this new awesome X Men and all this stuff going on for them. Okay, fair enough. And then the other big X-Men announcement that we got that, that like, half of um, LGBT t- t- uh, Twitter was excited about is that um, Emma, Emma Frost and Jean Grey are going to be headlining a brand new giant-sized X-Men title written by Jonathan Hickman. And, yay, but, like, I mean, eh. yeah, a little bit? I don't know. Like, it's like, yeah, yay, and, like, uh, like yay on Hickman for not keeping Jean in the Marvel Girl suit. He just recolored her X Men red suit to green and yellow. <laughs> like I don't know who, who who like who let that slide through, but like yay because I was I was kind of getting tired of him just going, "Hey, put the Marvel Girl suit back on. I want to be a kid again." <laughs> Because, like, Cyclops' new suit looks freaking dope. But then Gene just gets the old suit for no reason. <laughs> so I, I, I'm happy about this. Um, I mean, the like, like, there's not even, even a really full pitch for this. It's just Emma and Gene are going to explore the complicated relationship in, in an attempt to save Storm from something. Like, that's all we got. And I'm like, okay... Like, I want to be excited for this because I do love these two women independently, but I am just, I'm always, like, whenever Jean and Emma are in the same room, I'm always expecting it to devolve into a hair-pulling slap fight. Like, not even psychically, just, you know, (laughs) two white women drunk on Chardonnay in some, you know, Italian restaurant somewhere slap fight over Cyclops. And did did you like my overdramatic description of that? Yes. <laughs> but like, do you see what I mean? It's that, you know, these are two incredibly powerful mutants, very strong women. And I always expect it to devolve into a slap fight over the guy. Well, because well, when you said that, my first thought was that one... Um... The uh, Grant Morrison uh, issue of X Men, where like Jean, like, like uh, Emma's half cyclically transformed into Jean because she wanted to sleep with with Scott so bad. Oh God, and then I remember Jean that. Walks in and is like, "What's going on?" Like, I I would just I would love Hickman forever if he just kind of went, "Okay, well, we're just gonna take this and we're just gonna put this over here. We're not gonna look at it for a while." Like. 
Like, they're going to go on an adventure without Scott. I mean, I'm not expecting them to be besties or whatever, like, but just to kind of, like, see each other as something more than a romantic foil. And, you know, if they happen to make out for a couple of pages, I mean, I'm not going to say no, but... <laughs> I mean, what, what, what my biggest hope for this is, is to see them be equals. Because yes. for because we've seen these two specifically struggle so hard to be the leaders of the X-Men, where we had Gene given control after Ki like Kitty failed at it and then Storm failed at it. Like which I don't think I don't even think Storm failed at it. I just think Mark Guggenheim's an asshole and decided that he wanted Kitty to lead the X-Men instead of Storm. But that's just me. You can come knock on my door, Guggenheim, I don't care. But that's just me, but whatever. Um, we saw Jean, when she was resurrected, finally get the reins as leader and then smack down because she's always been Scott's arm candy and never given the chance. And when we saw that big X-Men disassembled panel, I was like, yay, Jean's leading the future of the X-Men. But then Scott comes back and we say, screw that. But like, and, and then Emma's same kind of situation, but we saw a little bit towards the end of the Bendis era of Avengers. We saw her trying to take the lead and be Scott's, like, first lady and be that head that a lot of people needed her to be. And even during the Bendis era of X-Men, she was keeping Scott under control to the point that she psychically made everyone think he was still alive during Death of X, which I don't even know how the hell she did that shit. But, like... I, I I hope that this book can be a meeting of the equals and not just be a slap fight. Travis, what do you think? It's uh, it's a little mind-blowing to me, and I'm sure it's hair-pulling for Mary that these strong females are devolving over penis. <laughs> I mean, to yeah. The, no, it is. Yeah, it, like, that's that's got to be infuriating, because when you really think about it, like, as far as relationships are concerned, Scott's not an ideal partner, and people like Gene and Emma could have literally anyone they wanted, whether whether like it be personality, charm, or just mind control. But here they are debating over this asshole. <laughs> they could have yeah. Logan, or they could have literally anyone else. Like, I I don't know. Like, if you made like me. Logan. If you made me ch choose between, like, Scott and Legion, like, sign my ass up for Legion, okay? Like, <laughs> I will deal with that. <laughs> you take you Legion to know, like, Scott Summers, I mean, like, I, I still think that Gene should have chose, um... Logan a while ago, but that's just me. I'm I'm excited for the new polyamorous relationship that is Gene Scott and Logan, but that's just me. So um, it is a thing. Like if you look at the the the, the room let the, the room map in um, X Men number one, you've got to squint really hard to see it. But like the, like literally, Gene Scott and Logan have interconnected rooms, and Gene's in the middle. <laughs> oh, who's the meat in the sandwich? Oh god. <laughs> but no, like I just I really hope that this proves to be something better for these two and not just I want Scott more. No, I want Scott more. I I I I say I was there when he died. No, I don't care. Like I want this to be more than that. Yeah. Okay. So, 
uh, we are going to go ahead and, and wrap up this show. But before we do, we are going to give you our recommendations for books that are coming out this week at your local comic book shop. Um, this is a fifth week. There isn't a lot of books that are coming out, but there are some fun ones that are coming out. Um, Mary, what is your recommendation for the, for the week of October 30th? Do you have to ask? I mean, like, as I look at the list, there's like three that you could, actually, no, four that you could possibly choose from. Yeah. Mary. So I'm excited to see what your option would be. But can you guess, like, the top one? Runaways. Runaways. Thank you very much. <laughs> Well, I see knew. Wonder Woman annual. I see Ap- Doctor Afra annual. I see freaking um, Excalibur number one, and and I see Runaways. Like I'm like one. I mean, of these don't is gonna get me her pick. I I mean, just maybe like stuff all four. Oh my god, all four of them in one book. That would be a that would be interesting. Yeah, Apocalypse and Wonder Woman meeting would be kind of weird. <laughs> Wonder Woman Oof. probably whoop his ass. <laughs> yeah, immediately. <laughs> Doctor Afro would probably try to sleep with Rogue. I can, I can, I can. Doctor Doctor Afro would try to sleep with everybody. (laughs) (laughs) She would just see Wonder Woman and be like, "Oh, okay." (laughs) Okay, so obviously Runaways, but why Runaways? But but I mean, like, really, just any one of the four. But um, no, specifically Runaways because it's entering this really kind of. it's entering kind of a silly storyline, not silly per se, but they're leaning back towards the superhero thing. And the last time the Runaways tried to do that, it did not end well for them. So I'm interested to see how this one's going to blow up too. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, Travis, what is your recommendation for October 30th? Uh, DC, deceased number six. Why? Because uh, it's so... It's such a fun read, and it's literally the cancer verse of DC. Honestly, <laughs> oh my God. that's a very interesting way to say that. Okay, because it's so it's so wow. I don't know, dude. So many you different could have said things like zombie verse, but not actually zombies. Like that could have been it, so much better. You go with cancer verse. That's what it is, though. Like Superman's just got infected. Uh, I remember reading the issue where he took out a whole building. I'm like, oh, this is something we are not used to in DC Comics at all. So I'm assuming uh, coming off of that, things are about to get just as wild, and we're gonna definitely be counting our losses. But man, this this series has been good. If you like to see everything you love be destroyed before you, that's an acquired taste, though. <laughs> all right. Um. I, much like my comrade Mary, have multiple cho- m- multiple recommendations for this week. Uh, the first recommendation that I have this week is um, Dead Man Logan number 12, because I refuse to give up on you, Logan. <laughs> I refuse. I will follow you to the bitter end. Ed Brisson has been trying so hard to carry you all the way to the end of the road, and I, I will go with you. <laughs> I'm so sad that, like, like is when, when all new, all different Marvel started, and Jeff Lemire was given the reins of Old Man Logan, that way he could have a saga while while um, Laura Kinney was given the reins of Wolverine and dead and old man Logan was the premier Logan because the, the OG Logan died. It was really interesting to see this new dynamic of an eldered Wolverine being a mentor figure to a lot of different people in the X-Men and stuff like that. And then Marvel legacy just goes, Hey, Logan's back. And I'm like, but Logan's right here and Laura's wearing the suit. What are you doing? Don't ruin this for me. Please stop. Like, I like this. Why are you ruining it? Now, granted, I love Logan, but, like, why? 
Um, my, my other, my, my other one, one of my recommendations will have to be Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 44 because I am a Power Rangers fan. And anything that gives me new Power Rangers that isn't Tommy Oliver is great in my book. Hashtag Omega Rangers. Hashtag screw Tommy Oliver. <laughs> How do you really feel? Bruh, <laughs> like, get ready for January because all hell's going to break loose. Um, like, like, oh, oh, I'm excited for that. <laughs> so, and then, and then my, uh, my other two choices uh, in terms of recommendations will have to be uh, Space Wakandans, a.k.a. Black Panther number 17, because as I am not really excited for the return of Eric Killmonger, I have to keep seeing the end of this saga of Space Wakandans. And we have been promised that Eric Killmonger is going to return if just very briefly for a showdown while that like Space Wakandans is going on. And I'm just like, uh That sounds entirely unnecessary. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> and they're purposely making him look like um Michael B. Jordan for no reason. Oh. And then my but, but at the same time I I need to see the end of it. Tanahisi Coase has been writing an amazing book. I want to give him the recommendation that he deserves. Okay, my last recommendation is and like this is a surprise for everyone, so buckle up, kids. Ironheart number eleven, because while I gasp. I know, right? Gasp. <laughs> Because while I have not been the biggest supporter of Riri Williams, uh, uh, Jesus, Riri Williams over her career, I have grown a soft spot for her because I, I, I saw her creation. I saw the sadness that was Bendis trying to write a good black character in her, and it just didn't work. And as I've been going through and preparing for a postmortem of the Bendis era, Riri. Uh, for an upcoming article. I have been reading Eve Ewing, writing her, and she's given this character new life when I thought she was dead as a doornail, and I appreciate what she's doing. I'm not the biggest fan of Tech Shuri in the Black Panther mythology, but I like what they're doing of like having the sisterhood be brought forth with Riri and Shuri in a respectful way that isn't just, hey, we're both black girls and hey, we like technology. Like they're actually doing something with it and giving them a dynamic, which I appreciate. So, yay. And I'm going to give Ironheart number 11 my recommendation. All right. Uh, Travis, what is your closing statement for this episode of Panel to Panel? Uh, Spider Man and Batman need a culling. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, the last time we tried that, that was death of death, death of the family, and Scott Snyder tried to kill Damien, but then Grant Morrison came in really angry and said, "No, I want to kill Damien." So I don't know. If that's a good idea. I don't mean a plot-related culling. I mean a publication-related culling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Mary, what is your closing statement for this episode of Panel to Panel? Honestly, I never know what to say. <laughs> like, I know I should be thinking about it, but, like, then it just kind of happens, and I don't know. My closing statement is that I should have a closing statement, but I don't. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Gene and Emma should make it. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, my closing statement is I stand... Cyclops, Wolverine, and Jean having a polyamorous relationship. Support your local comic book shop. Um, Space Wakandans for life. 
Um, and we will catch you folks next time right here on Panel to Panel. Peace out.